So this is BSing with Sean Kay. I'm your host, Sean Neese. And on this show, I BS with a wide range of people, uh, artists, activists, bloggers, comedians, all types, and uh, have long form interviews and conversations with them. And sometimes I like to do episodes focused on current events and uh, geopolitics or social issues. And for this episode, um, regarding uh, the, the recent news, and because of the recent news of what was happening uh, with the bombing of uh, Gaza recently, 11 days, I wanted to do an episode covering what was going on with uh, Israel and Palestine. And I have two activists joining me today. And uh, I-, I thought I'd let you both introduce yourselves, like in whichever order you want to go, if you want to raise hands or like just like volunteer yourself. I don't know. Uh, you go, you go first. <laughs> Okay, so uh, uh, thanks uh, for uh, inviting uh, uh, me to be with you. Uh, so my name is Auda Hadalin. I'm from South Hebron Hills, uh, especially from uh, Umm Al-Khair. Uh, and Umm Al-Khair is a village in, in South Hebron Hills. It's, it's a Bedouin village, uh, 28 family, around 170 people. And uh, anyway, I'm an English teacher and I'm a human rights activist. Yeah, my name is Sam Stein. I'm originally from New York. Um, I've been living in first Tel Aviv for about a year and then Jerusalem since August, um, where I at first was in grad school to become an English teacher and then realized I don't want to. (laughs) And I've been just engaging in uh, anti-occupation activism basically ever since I got to Tel Aviv, a lot more seriously since I've gotten to Jerusalem. And that's how I met Auda. And I've been going to the South Hebron Hills a lot, uh, specifically these past four months, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I was spending a ton of time there. Um, yeah. So how, how did both of your beliefs develop about the conflict? Uh, and I, I know, Ada, you were, did you grow up in the the West Bank? Did you grow up in or where? Um... Maybe just just yes. say you're, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I born here in Omar Khair and I grew up here and uh, you know like here in 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 Omar Khair, my village and in South Hebron Hills, if you want to be a, a peace activist or a human rights activist or if you don't, you will be because you don't have any other choice. Like you grow up in the middle of the conflict, you grow up in 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 the middle of the attacks, whatever. So you have to be, you know, like uh, a peace activist because you don't have any other choice. So like I'm 27 years old now and I, I born here, I grow here and I remember, you know, like things and uh, like actions happened years ago when I was a child. I, because like the occupation started, you know, like 1948 and we, we transferred. So we came to this land in the south. We were not here. But when the catastrophe took a place, so we transferred to this land. And then we lived here our normal Bedouin life. In 1982, the settlement started and they started to uh, taking the land exactly uh, uh, next to us. And from that time, everything started. So I born in 1994. Uh, and since 1994, uh, you know, like... Uh, all the time there is you know like problems there's attacks demolitions whatever and sam how did you how did your beliefs develop on this because you were raised jewish how did you end up 
being more sympath being uh, sympathetic to the Palestinian cause and like Palestinian rights. Yeah, that was definitely a long and weird process. Yeah, you know, I, I'm Jewish. I was raised uh, pretty religious, but I'm much less religious these days, but still very like uh, proud and affiliated with my Judaism. I grew up coming to Israel all the time with my family on vacation. Like that was just, um, I have like aunts and uncles and cousins here. We did that all the time. And I was told a lot of not true or honest things about uh, the occupation and about what's going on here. Um, you know, it was just this, like, oh no, like nothing's, everything's perfect. Like, no, like all of that is made up, whatever. Like crazy stuff like that. And then like I did, you know, um, and then in college, I kind of started to meet other people and just kind of hear other people. One of my friends started talking about, who also grew up religious and Jewish, started talking about the occupation a lot. Um, and that kind of started the process. And, you know, without getting too much into it, because it's something I could talk about for five hours, just the slow process of me reading into things and learning a little more and listening to different people. I remember this Palestinian who um, lives in Beit Lechem was telling me about, which is in the West Bank, um, a little south of Jerusalem, was telling me about how he had to like go and get all this paperwork done so that he can go get permission to go into Israel and go to Ben-Gurion and fly to America for university. And I actually lived in a settlement in Gushetzion for a bit when I was 18. Not that I knew what that was. I didn't know what a settlement meant, what I was doing, but it's right next to Beit Lechem. And I was like, oh, well, I was able to go in whenever I wanted. And I didn't even grow up there. I wasn't born there. I wasn't a citizen or anything. So that was like a huge moment for me. Um, but despite all that, I still really loved being in the region, you know, I have like a ton of amazing memories there and friends and family. So I decided to move there and was kind of like, well, I can't just move here and hang out on the beach in Tel Aviv. Like I need to be fighting this. I need to be like doing my best to make this a place that I can actually live in and be proud of and like know that everyone has the basic human rights that they deserve. And I, I feel like the narrative a lot of people here in the U.S. is, oh, it's just two people fighting over land and it's just about religion. But there's not a lot, not a lot of people, I guess I feel like maybe more now recently, especially like with what's recent going on. But uh, while people didn't know about like the, you know, the occupation or the Nakba in 1948 or the, you know, like the things you described, not not being able, Palestinians not being able to return to certain cities. Uh, um to their to home and everything and people jews from new york being able to go over so um is there i mean I, i'm asking both of you this is there is there also is it more of a racial conflict or is it more of a religious base or is it a mix of both you'd say um i'll start with like i'll answer first i definitely you know um, I know, and this is, uh, like, I don't really like the word conflict. That's a word I'm starting to move away from. And I know I have a lot of like friends and uh, fellow activists that are doing the same thing. Um, just because conflict, the word conflict has this way of making it sound equal. Like it's two groups fighting each other. And it's definitely is, you know, it's both religious and racial in nature. 
Um, and, you know, that's not even hidden, you know, listen to these really right. They talk about Judaizing the area or like greater Israel or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it's at the point where, and I guess it's basically since 48 been like this, where like one side has all the power and is oppressing another group. So like to call it a conflict feels very, um, rehabilitating to the the groups at play that like it's one group oppressing another group that's not a conflict that's you know an illegal occupation or a, like unjust regime or whatever you want to call it yeah well and one and one's getting billions of dollars from the u.s government and exactly yeah there isn't so and how did you two meet like how did you two become friends I like this question, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, first, just you know, like let me uh, talk uh, really, uh, really quick about what's going on. Uh, you know, like on the ground, because you know, like I'm a Palestinian, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the situation, you know, like from the Palestinian side. So even though like all the time say conflict, but I, I really totally uh, agree with, with Sam about, you know, like using the word, you know, like conflict. And uh, uh, honestly, uh, uh, the Palestinian, especially in Area C, and I will tell you something, if you want to feel the occupation really, you know, like, you know, like the fact way, it's in Area C, because anyway, Area C, it's more than 60% from the Palestinian land through the Oslo Agreement, which happened, you know, like years ago. Uh, so in Area C, you will see the occupation, you will see really poor Palestinians. They are not allowed to get water. You will see really poor Palestinians. They are not allowed to get electricity. And in the same time, the settlers' chicken farms beside them, a few meters, have electricity 24 hours. And you know, like for emergencies, they have generators or whatever. In Area C, in these villages, which I'm living in, in, in one of these villages, you will find people, you know, when they see their houses destroyed in front of, of their house and in front of their eyes, they just pray to the God. Because even though if they will shout, they will be arrested and they will be thrown in the jail and they have to pay fines and fines. So uh, 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 here in the South, the situation is, is really unbelievable. The situation is really unbelievable. And, and what's going on here, something really crazy, something really horrible. You know, like the attacks more and more, you know, like just two nights ago, uh, they attacked one, 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 one of the people in one of the villages here, and they burned, you know, like that that ballot for for his sheep more than you know, like fifty, fifty one, and uh, you know, like he lost just in two hours more than twenty thousand shekel. I don't know, like how much in dollar, uh, and it's not only about this, you know, like they started to attack the people, you know, like. You know, like direct target the people and attack them, broke their knees, for example, one of the stories which happened to my mom. And you know, like sometimes shoot them and it happened to one of the one of the Palestinian people who are living in one of the villages beside Omakhir. You know, like they shot him from zero distance in, in exactly in his neck. And you know, like he he's now disabled. He cannot, you know, like he just can move. You know, like his eyes open them and close them, so he cannot move all of his body. And you know, like the stories of the attacks for the people so long and long. And then you know, like they started to attack the people. You know, like by preventing them go to the fields and 
you know, like some was here and they were going with the shepherds. So like they see, you know, like in the past, I heard, you know, like from the stories that the people here, they used to have a lot of sheep and goats, but now everything is limited. Like you cannot go east, you cannot go west, north, south, whatever. You cannot go, so they control this also. And everything, anyway, they think that the people, you know, like get, get a breath from, they immediately, they immediately close it. And one of the hardest problems which the people faced here, it's the settlers' attacks besides also with, with the demolition, because the demolition is not about destroying the structure, it's about the feeling, it's about how your people will feel, how the children will feel. So this is you know, just you know, like really, really, really quick about what's going on in the South. You know, like a country uh, really supported with 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 all of, of you know like you know like all of the modern guns, missiles, whatever, uh, and you know like a simple people they just you know like stuck in the middle. The the PA say that you know like this is area C and we don't have the control there. And if you want to help, we will be punished. And the Israelis authority look to the Palestinians as their enemies. So uh, one time one of the people from Umar said. Umar people, you know, their blanket is the sky and their mattress is the ground. And I think he's, he's really right. Not in only Umar and, and all the villages in the south, because, uh, uh, you know, like, not so many people know about that. You know, like some people, when they go to visit the Palestinian cities like Ramallah, like Bethlehem, you know, like the situation there, it's, yeah, like it's occupation, but you cannot make a comparison between what's going on in the cities in area A and in area C. So uh, it's it's really uh, uh, horrible, honestly. So is the area A and area C like different checkpoints for the Palestinians that they have to go through? Or is it like different places where they're starting to settlement build in Palestine and pa Palestinian territories? Yeah, really, really, uh, really quick about these, you know, like uh, uh, Oslo agreement uh, separated the area, the Palestinian area into three parts, area A, B, and C. So area C around 68% from the Palestinian land and everything in area C under Israeli country, uh, under Israeli control, safe and security and whatever. Area A, it's everything under Palestinian control. And like, what's the places that like it's area A? It's the Palestinian cities, like what? Like Hebron, only the cities, not the towns around, no, just the cities. Bethlehem, Ramallah, for example, Jericho, and area B, it's mixed. It's it's uh, a mixed, you know, like the, the uh, security and safe and control and whatever. So uh, area C, it's more than, you know, like 68%. So the Israelis, you know, like think that they have, you know, like, you know, like the right to do whatever in area C, uh, you know, but uh, and no one is standing from the authorities, I'm saying, no one is standing with, with, with the people who are in Area C. And they mean it when I say it, you know, like they are stuck in the middle. They are stuck in the middle. You know, like they, they fight the occupation alone, honestly. And you know, like the people who are helping, they are individuals. Individuals like Sam, for example, coming from abroad, stayed in the South for months, you know. But tell me, like, or, or like, I, I hope I, I can mention some of the organizations, you know, like they, they, they do like, you know, like what, what these guys doing, you know, like just a few, and they mean it. You know, like if, 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 I'm, I'm, if I'm gonna count them, you know, like they will not reach 10. From so many organizations, which they all the time, you know, 
talk about you know like peace talk about justice all these things and uh, you know like it's it's good also to mention uh, my favorite one it's center for jewish nonviolence you know like uh, uh, it's really uh, a, a nice a nice people nice group you know, like i know them since 2016 and it's you know, like a group you know, like changed something you know like even in the palestinian minds because honestly, you know, like when you bring Jewish people and this is something, you know, like maybe some know, you don't know that the, the Palestinians, some of them have an idea that if you are a Jew, this means that you are pro-Israel. So this this idea got totally changed in the South. And now we are we are proud, you know, like to have so many people and we understood that our problem our problems it's not with, with, with the colors, our problems is not with, with the with the religions. You know, our problems, you know, like with the occupation and, and you know, like we feel proud to have anyone as a friend who believe in our rights, who believe that what's going on here on the ground is, is you know, like totally, you know, like wrong and, and you know, like act or stand for justice. And so, uh, okay, so, so Gaza, is Gaza, is Gaza isn't part of one of the sections you described? Because I know that's still technically that's... Uh, Palestinian territory at this point, or maybe just talk about, I guess Gaza and what's what's the situation with that and the the blockade and everything. Yeah, you know, like Gaza, Gaza, it's it's a Palestinian city and it's uh, really controlled. No one can enter Gaza, no one can leave Gaza, and Gaza, it's it's the most crowded place in all of the world. The people in Gaza, they are two millions. So the issue that you know, like the people in Gaza, uh, uh, since a few years, they started also, you know, you know, like to resist the occupation by their way. But the issue that many people just seeing, yeah, like rockets, you know, like going from Gaza and or like Gaza throwing rockets, but they didn't see what's 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 going on there. What's how many one got killed in in four wars. How many one got killed and how the people you know like in Gaza you know like uh, see the hell and uh, yeah like uh, if we want to back to the to the history really quick you know like since 2010 and the first war which happened in Gaza up to the last war which happened you know like uh, around you know like a few weeks ago how many one how many Palestinians got killed in Gaza how many children how many you know like all of them and in the same time how many Israelis got killed so it's again and again, you know, like Gaza throwing, you know, like rockets, you know, like maximum they reach 100 kilometers. And this war, you know, like 200 kilometers, but, you know, like the Israeli planes and the Israeli missile, missiles, you know, like just, you know, like drop from the sky. And, you know, like they destroy the towers. This war, just this war, nine Palestinian families, they are not registered anymore. With the, with the PA, nine Palestinian families removed or killed. Nine Palestinian families are not exist anymore. Can you imagine? More than 70 children got killed in this war. More than 70. And the issue is this war, for example, 250 people got killed. Yeah, 250 people got killed. And uh, the issue is, you know, like what's about the people who are injured? What's the, you know, like for me, uh, uh, I can die, but I cannot live, for example, without hands. I cannot imagine it. And this is exactly what's happening in Gaza. More than 250 people got killed, but how many one got injured and you know, really serious injuries? So, and they are not allowing you know, like to go, for example, to, to outside, you know, like for, for uh, countries, you know, like to get medicine. 
they only can go to, to Egypt and not everyone. And not everyone, even you know, like the West Bank, they are not opening you know, like the checkpoints for them to go. They are not opening the checkpoints for them to go. And the issue you know, like that, uh, we saw in the last war that you know, like the Israelis are talking you know, Israel under attack, Israel under attack, but this is really fake. This is fake because Gaza was under attack. And yeah, like uh, we, we know like uh, so that Israel is, is, is a supported country, like many people supported Israel and they have everything, you know, like everything for the war and the people who are in Gaza, you know, like just simple people, you know, try to protect themselves, try to let, you know, like the Israeli army, you know, like be scared. And it's it's unbelievable, you know, like it's totally different. Gaza and the West Bank, you know, like even they all one Palestine. But the people in the West Bank, you know, uh, they don't they, they they believe in non-violent resistance because they don't have any other choice. You know, like in some places, and some places, some some people really believe in that. That's it's the good way. But the people in Gaza, also, you know, like they, they believe that yeah, like they killed us. Like we don't have any any anything to lose. You know, like they they bumped the towers, they bumped the schools, they bumped you know like the hospitals, and even you know, like this this year. They did something that they didn't, you know, like the the the, the, the authority, the, the occupation. They didn't do before that. They destroyed the roads which leads to the hospitals. So more than twenty four people in Gaza died, you know, like because the ambulances cannot go to get people, and they found people alive, children. They found people, some of them children alive, and they took them and from under the rubble after around twenty four hours. So the people in Gaza, I when I really, you know, like they were seeing the help. I was talking with, with a friend from Gaza, you know, like I didn't meet him face to face, but we, we are friends, you know, like through uh, Facebook. So like we made a good, good relationship. So he was talking to me and he, he was saying that in Gaza, in Gaza, we hate the night. We hate the night and we just waiting the morning so we can see if the, 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 the rockets is coming or not. And another story, there is two, two brothers in Gaza. Every one of them have four sons. So every one of them have four sons. Do you know what they did? At night, they separate the sons. So every one of them take two from his sons and two from his nephews. Why do you think they did that? Because if the occupation or the Israeli authority bombed one of the houses, not all of the family will be killed. Can you imagine? It was really hard for them. You know, like even yeah, like they say, like yeah, we won the war and yeah, like the occupation, you know, like didn't get their aims, but you know, like they suffered a lot and they are really in in, in, in a miserable situation. Even after the war, now like the fixing and rebuilding will take years and years. But who, who knows what will happen? Maybe like a war start, you know, like in just one week, destroy, you know, like three years of, of, of rebuildings or four years. So it's really hard for them. Yeah, and I, and I feel like people who defend what Israel is doing and saying they have a right to defend themselves, then it's like they kind of dismiss that, you know, maybe the, the, the Palestinians have no reason to want to fight or resist too. But it's like, you know, they want to be, you, you want to be treated with like dignity and have, you know, your voices matter in the, in the international court more too, and not just have, um, you know, be free to go and not be, because, uh, and the, the, there's no, 
people who defend Israel, like they don't look at like, oh, why is why why are the Palestinians reacting? Like it wasn't like you said, it wasn't just like they did it out of nowhere. They were being forced. That that was when the whole thing in uh, what's the name of the Sheikha? Yeah, 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 it was happening too. But it, it it never gets in the news till the the rockets fly, and then they then it just covers. Oh, the, you know, they're at war again without looking at what it what Israel is doing to the Palestinians. Yeah, and just just to like highlight, um, you know, like you said, like that talking point about Israel has a right to defend itself. Just to highlight what that glosses over, um, like you said, you know, there were there are forced transfers and home evictions um, in Sheikh Jarrah, which are an act of cleansing. You know, it's the exact same thing. It's about Judaizing East Jerusalem, um, and that kind of played into all, with all other things, into the escalation that led, led to Hamas firing rockets at Israel. And in that first volley of rockets, because Israel has this insane defense system and the Iron Dome and all this funding, nobody was died. Nobody died. I don't think anybody was even injured. Um, so these rockets, you know, did not do anything effectively. And then Israel retaliates tenfold and 20 Gazans die, and 20 Palestinians in Gaza die, six of them are children. And that's only at the beginning. It ended up becoming way more than that. Like I said before, you know, in the 200s, that's not defending yourself. That's revenge for something that, you know, no, no that like didn't even have to exact revenge on. Nothing happened. Nobody died. And then they go and, you know, level it is. Yeah. And then they even said that uh, they were, there was a one report that the, some of the, um, pilots that were shooting down the residential buildings and everything, they were doing that to vent their frustration at the yeah. rockets being launched. So how is that not, you know, that's terrorism to just yeah, <laughs> destroy yeah. school buildings and everything out of frustrations. So. 100%. Yeah, just to like um, clarify from what you said before, you know, like Gaza, uh, so like the West Bank, like the West Bank of Jordan River is separated into areas A, B, and C, which I explained already, and then Gaza is off next to the Mediterranean, next to um, Egypt and Western Israel. And that, you know, that's not part of that categorization. It's kind of its own situation entirely. Earlier, Ada, you brought up an interesting point about, um, you know, you, you had the view that, you know, all, all Jews supported Israel until you met, you know, uh, more Jews like Sam and everything. And uh, and, uh, and I also wanted to, like, I wanted to go on that more. I mean, I think you, you went into that a bit and also, um, because I, I, I'm sure Sam, like it was a similar experience for you. Like once you started meeting more Palestinians, like your views started changing too. So I, I just thought that might be an interesting thing to go into a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I was taught like as a kid um, um, and a teenager, I was taught a lot of racist things about Palestinians. Um, you know, saw like horrible things, like oh, they all want to kill you, whatever horrible things like that. And then not even, this was even before I became really an activist, but as I started reevaluating the things I was taught a lot more, I was visiting cousins in Jerusalem and I was kind of like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to really, you know, see things I haven't seen before. I'm already thinking about all these things differently. Let's go see it. I'll just walk around East Jerusalem a lot. I did this tour of, um, uh, parts of the West Bank. It was I went to Beit Lechem, uh, Jericho, and then Ramallah in one day, uh, doing a lot of things like that, and you know, just kind of like going to Ramallah and seeing like this city that like looked like Tel Aviv, 
um, and just talking to the tour guide and whatever. And, you know, like um, these were already, you know, notions that I was rejecting. And then just like seeing it really made it, you know, sped up that process so much. And then I got here, I moved here full time or I'm in Florida now, but when I moved to Tel Aviv, um, I knew that I wanted to be involved. I found out about a group called All That's Left, which, um, you know, shameless plug in amazing group. That's been a huge part of my activism and they go to the South Hebron Hills a lot. And after one of my first, you know, events with them was going to Umal Khair. And that was the first time I met Otto. He might not even remember. I, you know, I was like pretty quiet and it was a big group, but just went to Umal Khair and like just saw, now that was my first time being in a village in Area C. So I've been to Ramallah already, but that's so different. It's this massive city. Um, and it doesn't feel the weight of the occupation nearly as much as the people living in Area C. Um, you know, I went to Umal Khair, just saw the village, just um, heard Otto's story and that like really had a huge impact on me. And that, and then, uh, sure, we'll go into this more later, but for the past four months, I was staying in the South Hebron Hills with the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, which was an amazing, amazing um, experience. You know, I got a lot closer with everyone. I got a lot closer with Otto over that experience and everyone else in the village and other villages. And to me, you know, we were there for activism, we were there to help and just document what like um, the violence from the soldiers and settlers, but we were also just there, you know, hanging out, becoming friends and getting, you know, becoming close and getting to know each other. And something that like, I always really grabbed onto was thinking about that of like, how we're just gonna change the way we'll interact. You know, these kids, they're like all these little kids in the village and they love us. And like, there was, you know, um, there was this little parade playground that I would use as my gym and the kids just like loved watching me work out and then um, would like ask me to do handstands for them and things like that. So they're just it's going to complete they're going to grow up. It's just going to be normal to them that like, um, you know, that Jewish and Israeli activists are around all the time and like are with them and are, you know, on their side. Yeah, it's, it's different when uh, you can humanize, like, like exactly. when you put a name in the face to people. Otto, you have anything maybe that made you think of or to add to with that? Or... Yeah, so, uh, and like, and, and unfortunately, like, you have to go in 10 minutes, but, you know, like, uh, the last thing I'm going to say, uh, you know, like, uh, the people around the, the world, they are to, like, for me, I mean, this is my, uh, you know, like, opinion, two parts. People mm -hmm. who, who, who care about peace and people who don't care. And like, if I'm going to add another part that the people who don't know what peace means. And yeah, for the people who, who, who care about peace, they are also two kinds. People who, you know, like all the time mention peace, don't do anything. And the second part, people who all the time say, I'm sorry, I'm in solidarity with you, but you know, like from their places. And the third kind, which is my favorite, the people who act for justice, the people who, who, who throw themselves you know, like in the in the conflict, so for me, uh, years ago, I was I was full of hate against Jewish. This is something you know, like, and I can't say it now. So uh, I was really you know, like um, hating this word, but then you know, like I remember the first group I got here, and I remember you know like my presentation, what like the presentation which I which I told them about the village. It was you know like just I was attacking them by my words, and at the end of everything you know like I saw that some of them is crying, some of them you know like 
we are we are in really solidarity with you and you know, like from that presentation like i started you know like to think about things in in, in really you know like different way so uh again then we found that our problems with 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 the people you know like who don't believe in our rights not with the jewish people because the jewish people you know like i'm proud to say it loudly i have friends who are jewish they did for the palestinians more than what other Palestinians did, honestly. So when you when you are you know like suffering in a village so far from the south, and yeah, you found a group who 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 gave their their themselves the name Hineno, and they are talking about coming to the south to stay with the Palestinians for months, three months. You know something? I didn't believe it in the beginning, but I said we'll work for it. It's a dream. It's a dream, you know, like to have people with you three months. Live with, live the occupation with you. So we prepared everything and the group came and some, some uh, you know, like was, was one of them. So honestly, they did a great and amazing, wonderful work here. They did more than what we thought, honestly. They did, you know, like something that we didn't expect them to do. They threw themselves in the first line. They threw, like, they got attacked from the settlers to protect the Palestinians. They got attacked from the settlers and from the army to protect the Palestinian shepherds. Their cars got broken. They paid a lot of money. And they participated also in the cultural things. They participated with the people in Ramadan the holy month they were having iftar with the palestinians for all of the month and this is something you're like put the political thing is aside this is some, something cultural this is something you know, like they share the culture we learned so many things from them and i'm sure they did so after this project you're like when the project you like was close you like to end I remember we were we were you know, like sitting together I and a few guys a few activists activists from from the south and we were saying do you think like did you think that all of this will happen no one of us said yes <laughs> I was saying I was saying that yeah I thought they will they will run away <laughs> yeah sorry Sam but I thought you will not continue <laughs> I thought you guys will run away so it was really great. Oh, it was really successful. <laughs> and I'm proud now to say that I have friends, you know, brothers, families, families, you know, like care about us, you know, like from so far and, you know, like help the Palestinians in a way or another. And we really love them, you know. It's not easy for the Palestinians, you know, like to tell, to tell you know, like any, any internationals, whatever, you know that we love them. We love that group, you know, and we will keep loving them until, you know, like, I mean, the thing is, will be, you know, like, we will get peace and justice and, you know, like, live in dignity. But thanks for every single person who were in the group, because for me, you know, like, as one of the people in the South, they act for justice. They did something. And anyway, what these people did what this group did no one did before <laughs>
no one at all. I remember, يعني people come individuals stayed here one week maximum two weeks, but to stay four months through Corona, through the war, it's appreciated. It's really appreciated. Thank you so much. Yeah, like that's so nice to hear. Obviously, you know. Oh wait, uh, the meetings we're gonna have to go in, go out because it looks like because I'm not a pro member, the the meeting ends in like one minute. Okay. I didn't know. Gotcha. Th- I didn't know there was. Yeah. So I guess we gotta yeah, end it. Like we, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. There. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure, you know, Otto was saying before that he had to go. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to, um, you know, have the time to join back in, but he just. Yeah, I guess, I guess you could fit. Well, it might be hard to finish, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. going into yeah. a top before it got cut off. But... Yeah, he um, yeah he just texted me. He can't uh, make it back, but it was obviously amazing to hear from him and all those kind words and, like, you know, just as much as we were there to help. Like it was also an amazing experience for us to just a, get to know them and learn the culture and learn some Arabic. Um, you know, and like, I'm really excited to just keep that relationship going and obviously keep going back to the village um, and keeping those relationships and connections going. There was a Palestinian um, activist. Uh, she's, she's talked a lot. She was the one that her, her, um, I think her name is Nora. Like her her first name, Urkatat. She's been on mm-hmm. uh, Democracy Now! And uh, she was saying, you know, we, we want to just, you know, have our own, like, we, we want our own right to self-determination too. Like, and you're, like, you're welcome as well. Like, and, um, you know, Jews are welcome as well, but you just can't, like, be our master. Like, they don't want anybody to be their masters. Like, yeah. That was the way she said it. Yeah. And the interview with uh, Katie Halper, who, who was doing a lot of shows yeah. about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, like, that's, like, what we're working forward to, like, and that's why it's so amazing to be in, to have done this program where we're just living with each other, you know, like, they're, like, the Palestinians are the one hosting us, and we're, like, really guests, Um, and it just is, like, this amazing, equal, completely horizontal experience. So, like, what did you learn, like, from each other's cultures and everything, like, spending that time together um, the biggest thing you know it was like obviously interesting to see like uh, their culture both as palestinians and both as muslims and learn about ramadan was obviously amazing to see how like just what life looks like in ramadan when you're you know fasting for a month and only eating at nights and how they just kind of end up switching around you know like they start working and everything at night because that's when they can actually eat the function but more than anything the biggest thing and what i've been telling a lot of people is that um you know and auto said that like we went and lived the occupation with him and while i'll never really know what it's like to be palestinian you know like no matter what even if i live in a welfare for 40 years the fact that i'm like a white-skinned jew is never going to change but i obviously did experience it more than 99 percent of jews in the, in the or non-Palestinians in the world. And the biggest thing that I learned was that like, it's every day. And you know, that doesn't mean just that like, they're poor every day or that they like, or that they have 
less water or less electricity or whatever it is that like something crazy happens every day like every single day there's something of oh settlers harassed people in this village or threw rocks at this person's flock or the army came and we saw like soldiers shooting guns or like taking pictures or there was a home demolition and it really just drove home how insane it is to live your life like that like it's exhausting and i did it for four months and i can leave whenever i want and they can't and they do it forever yeah and that's a that's another thing is that the um and i'm I not mean, and obviously like like you said like seeing how it was firsthand was a unique experience for you but also like you know palestinians are putting out footage on instagram and everything of what was going on directly in gaza and you know this the residential yeah. buildings being blown up and, and just everything that was happening and they're able to show like that video of the one settler who was saying well if i don't take this house somebody else will yeah. take it you know yeah. and it's just before they didn't have that so i feel like that's why at least now it, it i feel like now it seems like the palestinian side it, like it's being heard more like the like the palestinian voices and people hopefully are i think are getting more of a sense of what's going on there and that it's more of a, a one-sided thing than rather than just, you know, like a conflict, like you said before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's like the social media revolution is huge. Like it's just, everyone has the opportunity to get those, to get their voices heard and get their experience out there. And obviously there are like going to be some, uh, you know, drawbacks to that, but overall it's such a powerful thing that really helps people represent their own struggle. So have you ever, while you started getting more into activism, did you ever face any kind of criticism from your family or like friends in the Jewish community saying that you're a self-loathing Jew or, or how do you, what do you think of um, people being quick to associate criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like my family is definitely um, skeptical at best of my activism. I've got a lot of like, um, oh, well, why aren't you in China helping the Uyghur and stuff like that? I got called a traitor by a settler who was attacking me. Um, <laughs> so definitely, you know, like starting to get the whole thing. Um, you know, like like you said, like self-loathing Jew, that is a phrase that gets like levied at any anti-occupation Jew and it's it's um you know it's horrible like even like first of all just like you know Judy your Judaism does not have to be connected to Israel you can be like a very religious devout Jew and like you know like the ultra orthodox sects of Judaism do not care about the state of Israel or are actively opposed to it overwhelmingly with like a few exceptions um and it's a real problem it's like you know it's the, I think it's um you know, a levied, like a concentrated effort of the Israeli government to conflate Judaism with Israel so that if you critique Israel, you're being anti-Semitic. And we see that in all, and you know, like you see it from non-Jews and Jews, and you see it from like all circles of Judaism, from Orthodox down to Reform, that like there is no room to be critical of Israel. And even the groups that, a lot of groups are like more, both sides the quote unquote but they won't they tiptoe around things they won't say certain things and they always you know hide everything in this in language that like doesn't actually encourage any action um but i you know i'm seeing that change so that's incredibly encouraging and yeah we just need to push back against that rhetoric because i 
you know, because it's harmful for everyone, and especially for Palestinians, obviously, first and foremost, but it hurts Jews, Jews too, who either are critical of Israel, or when everyone gets this perception that, like, Jew, Judaism and Jews and Israel are the same thing, because we Jews are propagating that, then that's when you have incidences like a rise in anti-Semitic attacks just because of something Israel did. So, you know, first and foremost, it hurts Palestinians, but it does hurt Jews too. Well, and ironically, I, I feel like that's kind of an anti, what anti-Semites do anyway, is kind of like conf- equate Israel with Judaism. So if you, if you, if you view attacking Israel as anti-Semitic, then you're kind of playing into like the typical anti-Semitic narrative that, oh, Jews, all Jews are supporters of Israel and all, you know, um, all Jews are Zionists. Because I know a lot of anti-Semites use that term Zionist a lot. So like if you equating Jews with Zionists itself is kind of anti-Semitic. Yeah, 100%. And unfortunately, the irony seems to be lost on the uh, right wing Jews that are propagating that construct. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, a lot of it was, uh, I know a lot of Europe, a, a lot of anti Semites were involved in the creation of Israel because they didn't want Jews in Europe too after the Holocaust. So they didn't want them yeah. taking refuge. And even now in America, you know, like the evangelical Christian community is like the, one of the biggest Zionist communities in in the country, or is the biggest, especially if you look in terms of like NGOs and nonprofits and funding that actually goes to Israel. So if you look at like a monetary way, it's really all evangelical Christians. And the reason is because it's part of this um, apocalypse there, you know, that like when all the Jews go to Israel is when the rapture starts, but then that doesn't end very well for us in their <laughs> portrayal of things. So got a question at a certain point you have to just like question who your allies are yeah yeah that's true and um also i i I know at the beginning of the like the history of israel there was i i know that jews and arabs got along for a time and then the far right of the settlers started taking over and then that's when the nakba happened i know netanyahu's like family is kind of like his his ancestors are kind of like the far right. That, I mean, I wish I, I wish Adda was still here to get yeah. more of the history. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I definitely uh, before the state, you know, in like mandatory Palestine, that was under the mandate of uh, the, the United Kingdom. For sure, there was like just complete mixture. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure people that like Jews and Palestinians naturally congregate to like certain communities and neighborhoods, but it was. You know, there was no area ABC. There was no, oh, Israelis aren't allowed here. Palestinians aren't allowed here. Anyone could go wherever they wanted. And even after 48, that state to some extent, in 67 is when it really became these like red lines. Um, and a lot of right-wing Israelis will like show these signs outside area A, outside like Ramallah, Bethlehem, uh, whatever it is, these signs that say like, um, it is forbidden for Israelis to citizens to enter, da, 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 enter at your own risk. And they'll be like, oh, see, like, we're the oppressed ones. We can't go in, whatever, which, like, A, is just a ridiculous notion that like, ignores the fact that Palestinians have much more restricted movement than Israelis do. B, this is a construct put in place by Israel. So, like, what's your point? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the equivalent to saying that, well, you know, if you were in the segregated South, saying that well you know there's a class there's schools that only 
whites yeah. can go to, but it's like, but look, blacks have their own schools they can only go to. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty perfect metaphor and just like really highlights how insane it is. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting because, um, because Ju- Judaism, of course, is a religion, but like me, my mother's Jewish. Like she was actually her grandparents were the last in the family to be raised Jewish, and I, I was never raised Jewish. I was going to go to Hebrew school when I was thirteen, and they're like, "Oh, there's all this extra homework." So I was like, eh, "I don't want to do that." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I kind of went down the path, and I actually got more drawn to like the Eastern traditions and all that. But I like reading about all different religions. But that's uh, beside the point. What I think is interesting is that I'm still considered jewish even though i'm not a practicing jew so it's almost kind of and yeah. i could if i want like and i'm not into that idea of birthright or that i'm entitled to be a citizen in that land like while people who have been there for generations can't be considered citizens yeah i'm not into that idea but i just find that interesting that i would still be able to do the birthright thing and all that and i would still be considered a jew even though that's not my religion. So w- would you say it's also a heritage too? I mean, I, I know it's not like uh it's not a race, obviously, because there's all different Jews of like different backgrounds yeah. too. But. Yeah, definitely. I would say that it's an ethnicity, you know, and that's definitely like something that's become a huge part of my Judaism as I've gotten less and less religious, even though the Jewish religion, you know, does treat it like an ethnicity, you know, like it's something or like even almost like a race, like it's something you're born into um in a much different way from my understanding than like other religions um and this idea that like you know almost like family like for better or for us like you can leave you can run off to the other side of the planet and like not talk to anyone or whatever like you know i haven't like i haven't prayed in 10 years or whatever i don't do anything religious like no you're still jewish and like that's always been something really comforting to me of like at this point it's just like a huge source of my identity and it's like great that it's not going anywhere that i can have my own relationship with that that doesn't have to be uh through the same construct of orthodoxy that i raised that i grew up on yeah and, and actually I, I kind of identify more with um like brooklyn and stuff is like the place of jews because like you know like the old uh, I mean, going back to the 1950s, like Lenny Bruce, comedians, and then um, just like a lot of, I don't know, that just, that feels more like a, a place to like Jewish culture to like Israel, like in the, the whole militarism and stuff like that. I don't really. Yeah, definitely. As much. Yeah. yeah, sure. That's a whole rich, like really rich, like um, history that I unfortunately don't know enough about. I have a good friend who's like really into that and like learned Yiddish and everything. Uh, maybe I'll go down that rabbit hole one day. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and for acting, like as an actor, like the Yiddish um, theater and all that. Like uh, I had some uh, grandparents and stuff that were involved. Great grandparents that were like involved in that um, a bit with uh, Stellar Adler and all that. So, what what do you think? Uh, I guess where I want to end it is like, what, what do you think could be the best possible solution for this? Would it be a way for there to be some sort of two state solution, or a way for um, Jews and Palestinians to live there without taking away Palestinians land and, you know, kind of maybe giving is, I don't know if you can give, is there a way to give back some of that now at this point, because I know some of the homes were demolished. Um, I mean, obviously yeah. I, I, yeah, the radical settler types, I think they should just kind of leave, but <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The I mean, ones that are, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the caveat to everything I'm about to say is that, like, I, um, 
and not the person that fixates over like which solution is best, whatever, you know, obviously that's important, but I'll leave that up to other people. All I care about is that is people having equal rights and like, however you want to do that is fine by me. Um, obviously the two state solution has been like the predominant theory for basically the, since 1967. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone who's like looking at the information is admitting that that's becoming more and more impossible with settlements, um, cutting off sections of the West Bank and making a continuous state in the West Bank to be a Palestinian state impossible, which shows, you know, what an act of aggression the settlements are. Um, I definitely, besides for that reality, would not be a huge fan of two states of the two state solution for other reasons. Um, me and like the prevailing leftist thought right now, especially among like my activist circles is a belief in like just one democratic, you know, completely secular democratic state. I think kind of a modified version of that, I would say that I'm very intrigued by right now um, is a by like a two state federation or a binational federation, whatever language you want to use. That would almost kind of be like the United Kingdom of like, two different states or countries or whatever territories with each with their own government and then an overarching government. And the reason I'm so um, intrigued by this idea is because I do think it gives this like certain room for autonomy of like areas to, you know, feel like appease both sides, I guess, for lack of a better term, while not turning into just like two different ethnostate theocracies and like maintaining the semblance of like mixture and diversity and secularness that are just like values that I have from my Western upbringing. So yeah, that's the, um, like where my head is at right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think I kind of get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Like I, and I guess that's kind of my idea too, but obviously like I haven't, been there like you were Abda so it's like it's it's harder for me to have I mean I can read about it but you know it's it's different when I haven't actually been to a place to have as is to have as much of a uh, like I guess an educated view like I have my view about like like uh, what's going on over there and um, everything but it's harder to me to think of like what a solution would be when I have an act but obviously for like you and Abda like you've been there and everything but but i but i think what you're saying kind of like that does sound like the best kind of outcome definitely yeah hopefully soon i'm uh i'm an optimist despite everyone's best efforts so yeah and the and the new prime the new prime minister actually seems a little further to the right of Netanyahu. yeah yeah um so it's yeah like well not officially yet i'll believe i'll honestly believe it when i see it that he even becomes prime minister, but it does look definitely looks like that's what's going to happen. He is absolutely to the right of Netanyahu. The government overall, the rest of the Knesset, Israel's parliament, is more left. I don't want to give them too much credit, but they're more left leaning, left leaning than past than like most of the past parliaments we've had, like you know, for a while, probably like ten to twenty years. So there is some cautious optimism i would say about that and what do you think people can do if they you know they want to do something do more for palestinian rights or they want to get more involved or educate themselves more i know in for um new york there's jewish voice for peace which sounds i guess is 
kind of similar to the group you're in over over when you were in Tel Aviv or yeah yeah um jewish you know jewish voice for peace is a group that we kind of like interact with a lot um obviously you know we're very different groups and that they're based in the diaspora and all that's left the main group i'm part of is based in israel palestine predominantly in jerusalem but all over um to answer the question of like what people can do specifically from the diaspora i would say um first of all you know just understand that like it's 2021 you have access to all the information in the world like use it and there's a lot of rhetoric around oh you don't live here you don't know as someone who lives there with israeli citizenship i'm here to tell you that like you are entitled to opinion no matter where you live no matter where you've never been to israel in your life and like there's of course maybe some room to understand that the people living both in the region, in Israel and Palestine, in the West Bank, Gaza, wherever, are the ones affected, but you are entitled to an opinion and you are entitled to voice that opinion and uplift Palestinian voices. You know, they're the ones being oppressed, make their voices heard. There are great groups, um, you know, like as you mentioned, Jewish Voices for Peace in terms of uh, Jewish groups. There's also If Not Now, which is an amazing group to just follow and stay up to date and Students for Justice in Palestine. Um, and, you know, more locally based um, Palestinian pages. There's the Good Shepherd Collective. There's uh, Youth of Sumut is an amazing group that I work with a lot. There's an Israeli group called Tayush that does amazing, amazing work. Um, spread the word, you know, like it's all about information, especially in this conflict where there is so much suppression of information and so much dialogue, you know, so much like, the battle is really happening in the dialogue and with American, you know, it's an American issue because American money is funding this. So yeah. just know, you know, know where our money is going and lobby, vote for the right candidates. But obviously on top of that, um, rally in the streets and donate and stay informed because voting is only the first part. But yeah, and, and, oh, go on. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, there are amazing groups to donate, both Palestinian and Jewish. This is like Center for Jewish Nonviolence, which is a group I was just staying in, you know, that I was like with when I was living in Umalkhir with Ada. And there's also, um, you know, like all those other groups I mentioned, you know, amazing places to donate to. So obviously, if you have the money, then do that. And if not, then just stay informed. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, that just made me think what you said about you know that um, the, you know it's extension of the U.S. policy and it, you know U.S. is the Israel's biggest supporter and everything it's uh, doing with uh, the Palestinians in Gaza and the settlement building and everything. Also, when U.S. leaders speak, you gotta think that you know they're not necessarily speaking from what's the most moral thing, moral stance. They're speaking about like oh, who's suiting our interests, who's you know, who's um, on our side. So that's kind of the perspective when the U.S. leaders here talk like about yeah. it. That's why they were kind yeah, of under yeah, the gun. Yeah. Like when that one journalist asked, um, I forget who it was in the White House, but he asked someone, he was like, uh, don't the Palestinians have a right to defend themselves too? And he was kind of like, he didn't know what yeah. to say. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was like pretty uh, <laughs> embarrassing stuff. And that is a great point, you know, just like might does not equal right. And these and like what is does not equal right, like question the status quo. 
Um, and on that note, I gotta say that I gotta um, get going now. But thank you so much for um, you know for having me and Ada and taking the time. And um, yeah, thanks for giving us this platform. And good luck. Oh yeah, th maybe, thank you. Maybe next time. Yeah, thank you both for uh, coming on. Yeah, wish I would have got to talk to Abda a bit more, but uh, it was cool to hear him hear what he had to say and everything. I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Ada Al Hathaleed and Sam Stein. It was great talking to both of them. And another palace on the topic of uplifting Palestinian voices, there is an artist I recommend following who has been a guest on my show before. Her name is Malik Matar, and you, her first name is spelled M-A-L-A-K, last name M-A-T-T-A-R. And she's been on my show, and we've kept in touch and kept up kind of a report. I have a lot of respect for her, and I, I, I like talking to her. And, you know, she's, like, read some of my writing and stuff I commented on that, which was pretty cool. And um, she is, like, a very, a very talented artist. And when I interviewed her, she was in Turkey going to school, to, and that's where she was when I was interviewing her but she went to Gaza to visit family and she ended up being there during the recent bombing and I was very worried about her while the bombing was happening you know it, it as we were saying in the interview it's very different when you put a name and a face to someone there and she was putting a lot of first-hand footage of everything going on with the bombing and everything and just that whole argument, oh, well, Israel's just defending themselves, you know, they're only attacking military targets, unlike Hamas, which is deliberately targeting civilians. No, they're punishing the Palestinian people pretty much because, you know, they're, as Ada was talking about in the episode, you know, blowing up the roads to hospitals, blowing up schools, blowing up the only art shop in Gaza. Um, and there's just all this defensive whatever Israel does with its violence and there's just no understanding of why people in Gaza would be radicalized in the first place. You know, maybe they don't like being forced out of their land. Maybe they don't like being not, not being able to travel. Maybe they don't like not having clean drinking water or having their homes demolished and just having their dignity taken away from them. It's, and I just want to correct what I said before too, that, when I was talking about the activists, I was talking about Nira Erekat. That's how you pronounce her name. And I'm going to play the clip of what she said just so she could kind of speak for herself. You know, it's Muhammad al-Kurd said it so beautifully when he said, they, they chant death to Arabs, we chant we want freedom. That should tell you everything you mm -hmm. need to know. Right? They want to turn Gaza into a parking lot. They want to mark our homes in order to attack people in their homes because they are Palestinian. They want us to, to surrender, that we don't belong to this land. And our message is, we, we belong. You can stay too. You just can't be our masters. That's no. the extent of our demand, that you cannot be our masters. The extent of their demand is death and disappearance. And in case you're curious what she's referring to with the whole death to Arabs thing, she's talking about the group Lehava, which is a far right group in Israel. And they were chanting death to Arabs in the street around the times of the Sheikh Jarrah evictions. And during the time, I think it was a Palestinian and a Jewish person were getting married in the West Bank. But yeah, that that's what she was referring to. 
I'll put the full link of that video in the description of this episode. And also check out more of Katie Halper's material on the Katie Halper show. She's done a lot of good episodes on this. Also, I'll share some other links. And anybody using this to justify anti-Semitism, I think they should distance themselves from the movement because this is about making a better future for both Palestinians and Jews alike. And that's not going to happen unless Palestinians start being respected at the same level and their rights start mattering more by the U.S. government, by the Israeli government. And if you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K, go to bsingwithseank.blogspot.com or seannice.com, my main website, or Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube, BSing with Sean K. And that's about it for this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.